think I'm finally ready to preach here. Amen. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11 in the New Living Translation. night Bible study being able to sit and relax is that there's a lot I don't know about the word that I need to know and uh, God has an amazing way of connecting things together for our benefit at the right time in the right place so I heard a guy on TV or the other day that said it's time for the church to disconnect from the Old Testament and I thought well it's it's new age church thinking is what it is that we need to disconnect somehow from the Old Testament because we don't live under the law anymore. But the law has a specific purpose. The law shows us, as we're going to see in Romans, that uh, the, the law protects us, and it also shows us how sinful we are and then how we need a Savior. And that's what the Lord's Supper is all about. So I know a lot of people would like to disconnect from the Old Testament, and say we don't live under that anymore. But guess what? The law's still there. And the law was not done away with because Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. So in other words, thank God that we don't need to disconnect from His commands because if we don't have Jesus in our life, then we revert right back to the law again. And it's impossible for everybody to keep the law because we're all going to fail in one point or another trying to keep the law. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have eternal life by our faith in Him. Jeremy made a statement a couple of weeks ago. You can go back to your old life, but you won't be happy. (coughs) We're under grace. But the minute Paul said, I don't frustrate the grace of God. We're under grace, but the law is still there and I hate to say to catch us, but to put us back in unworthiness if we resist the grace of of God. So thank God for His grace today. Thank God that He's provided a way for us. And no, we don't need to disconnect from the Old Testament. We need to glean from the Old Testament what God has for us. And when we contrast the Old Testament with the New Testament, it even magnifies the, sa- the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross because we see prophecy tied in. We see the promises of God tied in. We see the history of David and Solomon and all the saints that have went before us and how they all had to believe in the great and precious promises of God to get into the promised land, to be healed, to be lifted up. David said, he's my strong tower. I'll run to him. So no, we don't need to disconnect. We just need a better understanding of what he did when we take communion today. Now I'm ready. For the life of the body is in its blood. Wow. You know how fearfully and wonderfully made we are. I mean, when I think of the blood that flows through our veins 
And God perfectly designed us that that blood is contained. The blood is contained in the body. But it says here that the life of the body is in its blood. The body's nothing without the blood. That's Old Testament. Is Leviticus in the Old Testament? Are you sure? What's that say there? Leviticus 17, 11. Why would we want to do away with something like that that proclaims the glory of God and it's five or 6,000 years old? Because we don't need to get away with the truth of God. We don't need to brush Him to the side. We need to realize that He fulfilled every promise. So in our society today, we're really fast-paced. If we don't get quick answers or we don't do this or we don't do that, then people get impatient with God. But some of God's promises take a long time to come to pass. They were promised a Savior, and they had to stand on that. But the life of the body is in its blood. He says, I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you. Where's our purity come from? Where's our righteousness come from? It comes from Him and Him only. Because our righteousness is as filthy rags. It doesn't account for much. But look what it says. He said, I've given you the blood. I've given. We have the gift of the blood today to purify you. What purifies us? What can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Life's in the blood. Let's read on. And it makes you right with the Lord. I want to be right with God today. I need to appreciate His blood. He says, and look what it says. It is the blood. It is the blood. Making you right with... It is the blood given in exchange for a life. The blood is in exchange for a life. Prophecy... The blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. Back then they had the shedding of blood of bulls and goats and lambs and spotless lambs. I love that Jesus was a spotless lamb. And when they had the Passover, they had to bring spotless lambs as a sacrifice and shed their blood and sprinkle the blood on the altar. While today, your body and my mind and my soul is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I realize that without the blood, there's no life in me because I lived a life of darkness. I lived a life of sin. And no, I don't want to go back because I won't be happy. If you get anything today, realize that we can go back, but we're not going to be happy because the blood was shed for us. And if we trotted under our feet and don't accept the blood it said the blood was given in exchange for a life that makes our purification possible no matter how hard we work no matter how much we give no matter how good our church attendance is there's only one thing that makes purification possible and that's the blood of Jesus Christ hallelujah now Now go to the book of Romans. Just keep the blood. Just keep the blood in your mind. Book of Romans chapter 3 and verse 21. Well, let's go back to verse 19. Well, let's go back to verse uh, verse 9. Can we go all the way back there? 
That doesn't make the sermon any longer, but it just magnifies. <clears throat> I'm ready to go. Verse 9. Well then, well then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? No. No, not at all, for we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. And as the Scripture says in the Psalm 14, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away and all have become useless. You know, that's a harsh word there, but God has a purpose and a plan for our life, and we only become useful in the kingdom when we accept what His plan is for us. How many of you know Jeremiah 29, 11, which says, I know the plans that I have for you. Somebody read that to me real quick. Jeremiah 29. Jeremy, why don't you read that since you're Jeremiah? 29, 11. I want you to hear this. Yes, sir. Amen. That's a promise that God made to Jeremiah, but it also applies to us. God has an expected end for us, and we need the grace of God to help us reach that expected end. If you're here today and you're happy about being here today, well, then thank God that He's working out your purpose, His purpose in your life. We don't have to be here. You could be doing I told Darlene the best time to drive is on Sunday morning because the roads are clear. Think about it. We leave our neighborhood, and we're all in the same condition. We all have problems. We all have sins. We all have cars that backed up. We all have this. We have that. But guess what? I was thinking this morning how good it was to be able to get up and tell Darlene it's a beautiful day and for her to say, yes, God's given us a beautiful day. And we pull out of the driveway, and usually at the end of our street, you can't get out of the end of our street. There's so much traffic. But on Sunday morning, there ain't nobody there. People have went to heaven Saturday nights and this and that, and that's okay. But I think we need to sanctify the Lord's Day and make it something special. We need to pass that down to our kids. God made things convenient by the shedding of His blood, but He didn't mean for convenience to cancel out what is deep in our heart. I don't think we need to add or subtract things just to make it more convenient for the church or for people. I think there's a special thing about getting up and going to church on Sunday morning and saying, we're going to the Lord's house today. Traffic won't be so bad. I guarantee it. (laughs) Verse 19, obviously, the law applies to those with whom it was given. For its purpose is to keep people from having excuses. And to show that the entire world is guilty before God. (laughs) For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you... uh, 
have multiple tickets on your driving record? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. Some of you know just what I'm talking about. That state patrolman might let you off one time, but the second time you come by him, the law's still there to catch you, isn't it? And we can feign ignorance, but it says here that the law shows up, and if you, we're made right with God by doing what the law. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. You know what grace is? It's getting rid of multiple offenses is what it is. You like that? The Holy Spirit likes that. Nothing can get rid of our multiple offenses except the grace of God. Because the law is still the law, and we still... Anybody ever had a state trooper say to you, I think I've stopped you before. (laughs) Don't I know you? Paul said, don't resist the grace of God because the law is always there to get you. It's always there to trip us up. When grace fails, which it never does, but when grace fails and we, we fail to apply it to our life, the law is there to catch. Jesus suffered once that we might have eternal life, eternal grace. Grace is a gift of God. It's a reprieve. It's a pardon. Verse 21. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law. Think about that. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing our what? Our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Thank God for that. For everyone, and the King James says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Hallelujah. Yet God, with His undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. In other words, we've been given the greatest gift known to man by the shedding of blood. We've been given new life because he says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But thank God that because he was willing to shed his blood, that we now have life because the life is in the blood. As a Christian, where's your life right now? It's in the blood of Jesus Christ. Wow. Yet God, with His undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. Hallelujah. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His love, shedding His blood. You believe that today? You believe that He shed His blood for you? Do you believe that if you were the only one alive that he would shed his blood? He loves you that much today. The life is in the blood. The life is in the blood. Our lives are in the blood right now, but it was shed for us. Amen? As I get older, I, get, I got to watch out for bumps and bruises. 
Anybody uh, bruise real easy and stuff like that? I try real hard because I want my hands to be pretty preacher's hands. But I'm the kind of person that just, if there's something, I just dive right into it. And Darlene will say, put your gloves on, protect your hands, you know. Well, sometimes I don't do very good. But I realize sometimes that you just, the importance of the situation or what you're involved in, that the shedding of blood, just a little nick. I remember yesterday we were moving these really heavy platforms and some of them had nails sticking out of them and you catch yourself and you think, oh, I did it again. There's two or three there, three or four there. But guess what? When I thought about it this morning, I thought, yeah, it's not the scar. It's what the scar means. And the scar means that sometimes God requires hard things of us too. Usually where there's a scar, there's a shedding of blood. What did he tell the disciples when he appeared back in the room? Look at my hands, my feet. I'm the one. I shed the blood. Sometimes it requires sacrifice from us to to live a Christian life. And sometimes it's almost like you have to shed your blood at times. Not only physically, but emotionally. Those of you that are in leadership, you know what I'm talking about. Because you suffer with people. The blood covers everybody. And when people don't get the importance of the blood, it hurts you also. Because you want them to see so bad. It's the blood. The life's in the blood. You won't be happy going back to what you was because God has set you free from that. The law's still there, but you're free from that now. You've walked into the glorious grace of God. So, yeah. And I thought about, somebody said, watch the nails in that, watch the nails in that. And that even magnified more to me what our Savior did. Because literally, physically, the nails were driven into his hands and his feet. And the blood flowed out of there. Watch the nails. Watch the nails. Remember what he did on Calvary. Remember his sacrifice. Remember, he did it for one purpose, and that was that this sacrifice says in, uh, in verse 25, for God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. The life of the body, the life of the flesh is in the blood. Sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. Can anybody in here say, thank you, Lord, for holding back on my judgment? (laughs) Can anybody say, thank you, Lord, for holding back on my judgment today? (laughs) Watch the nails. Verse 26, for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God this did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just. And he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. 
Verse 27, can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is blessed. It's based on our faith. Hallelujah. You know, I, when Gina was up here getting prayed for, I, uh, the Holy Spirit had me say to her that she's got a lot of faith. And I wish sometimes, as I shared with some of the guys, that I wish we could just box up faith and pass it around when people get low on faith. You know, wouldn't it be great if we had a reservoir? But faith is a personal matter between us and God. But he's, she has great faith for her kids, who some of them are not serving the Lord right now. But our forgiveness, and it says it's based on faith that we may be right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. We are saved by what? Through Your scars can be healed. The biggest scar we had was the curse of sin on our lives that we inherited. That was the biggest scar that needed to be healed. I think today about surgeries today and how they can take your gallbladder out and only make a little incision like this. It's amazing, isn't it, what man has learned? Just a little bitty incision. And then they can go up through your leg and get, I don't know how they do that. I've never figured it out. But they're working on your heart and they go up through your leg. Wow, that's amazing. And there's just this little spot. And then they can repair a knee just by going in and making a little incision and doing this and doing that. When I was a kid and you got cut open, buddy, it was rough. I, I had appendicitis when I was 13. I got a scar that goes from here to here. I don't know if they had trouble finding the thing or what was going on. I mean, it's that long. I thought, thank God the medicine is advanced. I remember going to a Navy, a Navy dentist when I was in the service for my teeth and having a root canal. And he shot my mouth full of so much stuff. And the pain never went away. He said, I'm going to screw this thing in here. And I said, it's not working. It's not working. Thank God that they found new ways to do that too. But see, our, our scars sometimes can be big and it can be large, but healing always comes through the shedding of blood. And it's by faith. <laughs> now I was thinking about something. Back in the day when I used to run around, and some of you can relate to this, people sold their blood. You know, the, mag the magnitude of this just hit me this morning. I remember people that used to tell me, I'm going down to give a pint of blood so I can get money. Anybody remember those days? Now the blood's so tainted and everything that you have to be afraid sometimes. But imagine being to that point where you would sell your blood. In other words, you know what we were doing? We were selling our life to go and do something that was evil, that broke the law, that resisted the grace of God. I'm going to go down and give a pint of blood so I got money to buy drugs. Anybody know anybody like that from your past? It's the truth. 
And even back then, before I was saved, I thought, there's something wrong with this. This is just not right. Not giving blood, but selling your blood so that you can abuse yourself more. And when you realize that the life's in the blood, not only are you selling your blood, you're selling your life. Think about this for a minute. It'll bring a whole new depth to the Lord's Supper today. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And He didn't shed His blood for bad reasons. He shed it for one purpose. He shed it that me and you might have eternal life and be made righteous in the sight of God the Father by the shedding of blood because the life's in the blood. And when He shed His blood, He poured out His life for everybody. Think about it. For me and you. They sold their life for other things that are never going to help them. And so when you understand that the shedding of blood that he did purchased our life, it means a whole new magnitude of what God did for us. So when we take the Lord's Supper and we get accustomed to doing this once a month and we do it on Friday nights, we need to realize just what the sacrifice was. People will sell their life for drugs. He sold his life or gave his life so that we could get off of drugs. Think of it. Gave his life so that we could get off of that stuff. If you're in this room today and God has set you free from stuff like that, can you just stand up and praise Him right now? I mean, thank you, Lord, for our freedom in that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what? You can go out of here today and resist the blood of Jesus Christ, but if you mess up, the law is still there to greet you. The law is still there to greet you. Lord, we thank you today for setting us free from a life of lawlessness and unappreciation of what you've done. Lord, we don't want to sell our lives. We don't want to prostitute ourselves. We don't want to sell our lives and shed our blood for the bad causes. We realize that you shed yours to set us free today. And we receive that freedom right now. Thank you that we're free from drugs. Thank you that we're free from alcohol. Thank you that we're free from unforgiveness because it's all contained in the cross of Christ. Watch the nails. Watch the nails. Look out for the nails because thank you, Lord. Now I want to thank, I want you parents to thank God that you broke that line in your family. You broke that line of sin and curses to the third and fourth generation, and you got to the point where you said, we're not having this anymore as a family. Our family's been ravaged for years by drugs and alcohol and unforgiveness and bitterness and strife and every evil work, and we rebuke it and we resist it in the name of God. Thank you today, Lord, that we have parents and grandparents with a little backbone that look out for the nails. They understand the nails. And because of them, there's a stop coming to the shedding of blood for the wrong reasons.
It's only by the grace of God. Think about it a minute. You've traded a life of pain for a life of victory. Thank you, Jeremy. Wow. He said, I've visited to the third and fourth generation. As I've challenged before, if you're the first one in your family that has walked with the Lord, you be sure and pass it on. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see His mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. So as we get ready to take the Lord's Supper today, let's just appreciate the shedding of blood today.